Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're almost there. Almost. In a church that's life is kind of focused and ebbs and flows with school and, and all that goes with that, we are almost there. Two weeks ago today, we filled over there and up here with preschoolers and had to be without a doubt the cutest outfit of singers we've ever assembled. No offense to the Ubalata Choir. Two, three, and four-year-olds gathering together singing praises to God with their little bodies kind of jacked up and moving and, and the focus about what you would expect, but the joy of hearing them sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Dr. Hollitz is ready to go. Eighth graders are ready to go, and we're ready to let the eighth graders go <laughs> in a good sense. Part of letting eighth graders go will be our confirmation this afternoon at 2 o'clock. We've got about 37 students that will be confirmed. They'll stand here. They'll, they'll say, I'm going to confess Christ. I confess Jesus then we will confirm them, speak a blessing upon them, kneeling at the altar and a scripture that hopefully they will hold on to for the absolute rest of their lives. Maybe many of you remember your confirmation verse. Mine, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. May 14th, 1978. Jesus is coming back. And in the meantime, forgiveness of sins and repentance is proclaimed in the name of Jesus. In our congregation, we've decided that that will be decidedly about students learning the faith in our schools and a ministry that reaches out into the greater community and given the tech that we have, into the greater world. It's fascinating to think about that. It's always interesting to watch the students burn in. The first couple weeks of school, they don't have the ebbs and flows right. The preschoolers, they want to sleep all afternoon and it doesn't work. The kindergartners are so cute and the eighth graders kind of trying to figure it out. And then after about four weeks, everybody's got it figured out. And now we're to the point where we do those final report cards. Everybody gets a report card. Preschool ones are cute with smiles and all of those things. Kindergarten ones are pluses and checks and their little happy smiley faces and stuff. But the eighth graders, you know, it's A's, B's, C's, D's, and you know. Everybody gets a grade. And then you get your last report card. And what does it say? You passed. Praise God, I passed. I'll never forget graduating in 1987 from Concordia College in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I had two credits that I still needed, and I turned in a paper the Friday before graduation to one of the finest professors ever, and I hoped to God that my diploma was sitting there in the stack. There's no better feeling than hearing you passed, you fulfilled all the requirements to go to the next grade. 
Everything has been fulfilled. You did everything that was demanded. Today in our text, we are reminded that Jesus fulfilled everything that was foretold of him. Jesus passed. Jesus got an A+, in case you're wondering. The prophets, thousand years before him, had said, this is what the Messiah is going to do. In, in, in unequivocal terms, he would preach and teach. He would heal the sick. He would even be the one who could raise the dead. He would do miracles. John would call them signs. And throughout his ministry, then Jesus would kind of check those things off. Did it, did it, did it, check, check, check. Sometimes he would say, I have to do these things. It is necessary that this is done so that all righteousness is fulfilled. Jesus, with a big checklist to fulfill all that had been before him, check, check, check. All the big things, all the little things, all the things in the middle. Not a C minus. Not, not hoping that he had fulfilled all the requirements because he barely slid in. No, no. Jesus, above and beyond, perfect in all the big things, all the middle things, and all the little details. And so that scripture from Luke 24 is, is the end. It's, it, it, it's the end. I love this. I, just beautiful. Luke 24, 44. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then that next verse, verse 45. Jesus then opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead Rise from the dead on the third day. And the disciples, the young men, you can almost see them going, huh, we've been watching. We've been seeing what's going on. And, and oh, we get it. I understand now. Here's what it is. Jesus is the Son of God, the one who was come in the name of the Father to take away the sin of the world. I remember when we went out to the Jordan River for John to baptize him, and John said the goofiest thing, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we looked at Jesus and we thought, what, are you, what is John talking about? And now they nodded their heads. They looked at the report card. Oh, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus passed. All that was set out for him to do, he accomplished. Everything was fulfilled because he is the Christ, the Son of God, who has come to take away the sin of the world. Now, what does that matter? And what's the enduring legacy of Jesus of Nazareth? Well, it's interesting because most people who die, you don't talk about too much outside of family unit, but Jesus of Nazareth, who died and rose again from the dead, has been the central figure of human history for over 2,000 years. The staying power of Jesus is phenomenal. What does it matter? Well, it matters because life is not as linear as we'd like to think. Life is not as easy as it seems. 
Most of us don't bop from win to win to win to win. Well, I got this all figured out, and I moved to the next victory. I moved to the next victory, and the next victory, and the next challenge. <laughs> I got it all figured out. A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like my life is A plus, A plus, A plus. Sometimes it feels like the dreaded C minus. I'll never forget the professor who gave me a C minus in theology of missions of all things. I went to his office. I said, I earned an A minus. I go, I did all the work. Here's my test. Here's my thing. He goes, you missed two days of class. I marked you down one grade for each day you missed. I thought, oh, wow. From the dean's list to academic probation. Nah. Everything is not so linear and everything is not so easy. In our lives, there are people who we dread seeing. There are circumstances of which we are ashamed or through which we struggle. And there are seasons of our lives where we never seem to get a break. And when life and faith and the foundation of our lives are shaken, where does our heart go? Well, we can go inward, right? We can go inward and, and we can say, well, I'll beat myself up. I'm responsible. I did this. It's my problem. It's my fault. I'll just kind of find a way to assuage my own guilt. Or we can turn outward towards Jesus Instead of looking at our own report card, we can look to His because He passed Redemption 101. For by His suffering and His death, you and me, we, we belong to God. And we will not be removed from that relationship. When life shakes us to the core and tells us we are alone, we look to Jesus. And because he passed, not a little bit passed, didn't slide under with a C minus, but because he fulfilled all things, we are comforted and close to him. And sometimes, sometimes, I need to audibly tell myself that, and maybe you do too, God is with me. God loves me for the sake of Jesus. And God in Christ has done all things well. And we are with Him because He completed the job before Him. He suffered, He died, and on the third day, He rose again. A plus. And that issue of our hearts and what's on our hearts is, is of a critical nature. It's significant. It's a big deal, at least for those of us who like to sleep through the night. Because when the shadow of guilt or the specter of the past covers our hearts and drags us back to the past, to those guilt points, back to our sins, back to our failures, putting the report card of our lives under our nose and saying, you couldn't do it then and you can't do it now. You need to pay for this. You need to do the extra credit. You need to get with the program. You need to make a payment to get right with God. And then in our hearts we realize we can't handle that task. And so we come back to Jesus. Jesus, as a matter of fact, got an A plus in delivering people from sin and death, from guilt and shame. Our sins were handled by Christ at the cross. Jesus fulfilled 
all things for us. And the peace that passes all understanding that we as Christians share through faith, that's that's what allows us to sleep. That's what allows us to love and care for each other. And that's what allows us to to live together in home, in family, in community, in the church, with the people around us. Because of Jesus' success, Satan's leverage is useless. Because Jesus' victory, Satan cannot draw us back to the garbage of our past. Jesus takes away the things that drive guilt and leaves for us his peace. He has fulfilled all things. There's not a gap in his life that you can look at and say, well, 97% instead of an A plus, we'll give him an A and hope for the best. Uh Uh-uh. All things have been fulfilled. Every year when I go through this text, I'm reminded that I was the oldest son. I'm 18 years older than my brother. I'm almost five years older than my little sister. We took my mom out for dinner last weekend. La, 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 la. It's amazing that my father and mother, when they would go on little trips to Santa Barbara or up to Big Bear or to Palm Springs, they, they would never pull my little brother or sister aside and say, oh, you know what, Andrew, uh, you know what, Joy, uh, you're responsible while me and your mother are gone. No, my father would pull me into the garage and he'd say, Timothy, you're responsible for this house and this thing when I'm gone. i go, wow, great, that's awesome. When are you coming home? I would never say. Well, you know, I think we'll be home probably Sunday evening, maybe afternoon. I don't, I don't know, but we'll be home Sunday. Most brilliant parenting strategy in the whole world, right? Even pulled that on my kids a couple of times. When are you and mom coming home? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we're never coming home. Nah, we didn't do that. My dad was brilliant in that. You know why. Because left to our own devices, if they said we're coming home at 5 o'clock, what would we do? Well, we'd start cleaning up the house at about 4.45. The mess here, the mess there, wiping out the stove from the stuff we did, making sure the refrigerator is clean and all things are ready to go so that anything of any consequence and the results of which would be wiped away. But as it was, we never knew when dad and mom were coming back. But usually after church on Sunday, we would start cleaning and vacuuming and making sure that that house was absolutely in good Germanic order so that when mom and dad came home, they were pleased. And it worked every time except one. And that's kind of the way it is. Jesus does that here. I think if Jesus would have said to his disciples on the Mount of Ascension, you know what, in 1983, I'll be back at 2.57 a.m. I think people would set their alarm for 2.30 a.m. and then repent at that and said, well, you know, we're good. We can live like complete pagans until then, and we'll see how it goes. But boy, when the alarm goes, I'll wake up and people say to me, Pastor, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to participate but I know you'll be there for me at the end. And I say, you better hope I make the light on the way to St. Joe's at Almond and Main Street. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, if I miss that light and you miss the prayer, then it's going to be pretty warm for eternity. And they kind of look. Jesus doesn't say the when, but he simply says, 
I will return sometime in the future, so be ready. Or in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, be ready and watch. So what do we do in the meantime while we're waiting, while we're watching? Well, Jesus says this, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Seems like that's what we're all about as a church, and that's what we're all about as Lutheran Christians. I'm a Lutheran Christian because I'm convicted of this, that at our heart, that the heart of our message is repentance and forgiveness of sins, and how, how we need that, not just the minutes before Jesus comes back, but how we need the ebb and the flow of repentance and forgiveness of sins with God and in our families Repentance, turning from sin and rot and turning back to God. And forgiveness, God releasing us from the eternal responsibility of our sins and putting that on Jesus. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. Letting go of the past and pressing on. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. For Jesus Christ himself has reckoned our past. He passed redemption 101 and gave his report card to you and me and said, you pass because, because of me. And when is he coming back? Even I'm smarter than to make a guess on that. I don't know. Jesus says the one piece he doesn't know is when he's coming back, but only the Father knows that piece. And while we don't know when He's coming back, we know the message to proclaim until He does come back. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. For in Jesus, repentance and forgiveness of sins is a way of life until the day those clouds open and He comes home, He comes back to earth, coming with grace and the love that He promised us throughout His ministry here. That gift of grace and love that is sealed in the gift of Jesus, His Son, our Redeemer. He calls us to grace. He calls us to love. And until He comes back, He calls us to obedience. Until that day, everything opens up. Everything is fulfilled. Everything's checked off. And He looks at us and He says, Everything now for you is fulfilled. Let's go live together forever. In the name of Jesus.